Well, the first episode we had that thing where we were just like fucking around and then that intro hit, right? Right. But I mean, how do you do that organically? Right. I mean, we can just decide to be cold open people and this could be part of the start. Are you recording? Yeah. It's been recording. Um, well, I actually have a, a good cold open for the episode four. Isn't Which one is that? Season predictions. We're doing Drive to Survive right now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So you don't have a good one for this, but you have a good one for No, that. I don't, actually. Okay. Well, that, this is just the intro then. Okay. I guess. I guess we're here. Pole position, mate. Pole position. Let's fucking go! Yes! Yes! Oh, my God! This is Strat 2, an F1 podcast. We are back for the 2022 season, and I know what you're thinking. We're back? Who the fuck are you? And we'll tell you. Hi, I'm Corey Price. Hi, I'm Callum. This is a swearing podcast. This is a swearing podcast, I guess. I think we made that decision previously. (laughs) Crossed that bridge a while ago. Yeah, the Rubicon has been thoroughly dealt with. Yeah, if if you listen to episode one and two, you know what we're about. We say the bad words, We say the bad words. And uh, Callum, I have a question. Absolutely. So you're... Well, as is tradition on this podcast, we we open up with a trivia question. We open up with a trivia question. So uh, you're a Red Bull guy. Absolutely. So I want to go back to earlier in Red Bull's sort of tenure in Uh, Formula One. Okay. Uh, Back in 2005. Sick. I was nine. (laughs) We we had Red Bull Racing. You know, that's sort of when they start keeping track as their own kind of team. Jesus, I know nothing about this era. (laughs) I just want to know one of their drivers in that debut season for Red Bull Racing. In the debut season? Yeah, that 2005 season. I'm saying debut based on Wikipedia, by the way, because I know that the sponsor existed before that. Oh no! But we've got th- I've got three names. One of them is famous. Yeah, I, well, I think it, I'm gonna go. Okay, and I'm I'm not gonna do this whole thing where I'm like, okay, I think this guy, I think this guy, and try and get your reaction. I'm just gonna say the first. I think it's DC. I think it's David Coulthard. Yeah, absolutely. Thank God. Thank yeah. God. And then there was I, I get to, I get to keep my membership <laughs> in the club. <laughs> I would have also Bull accepted uh, Christian Klein. Yeah, and Vitantonio Liuzzi. Oh, I mean. I'd be remiss if I, yeah. What a guy. Apologies to uh, Liuzzi. Yeah, they were on Michelin tires that year, it seems. I was back when they could decide, right? Yeah, because there was um, Michelin and Bridgestone. Yeah, and then that extremely infamous race. um, Indy? Yeah, it was Indy, and then they didn't go back. They've never been back, which is crazy. That's like... Like, F1 holds a grudge. Well, it was a sick track, too. It was yeah. one of the coolest tracks on the calendar, actually. Yeah. I like how F1 is holding a grudge, essentially, over tire manufacturers that no longer exist in the sport. Speaking they could of, go with Pirelli's, and it would probably be fine. Speaking of holding grudges. Oh. Well, we should get to our uh, main content of this episode. Yeah, we should. A lot of F1 fans, mostly diehards, because, you know, the the casuals don't exactly have the same... Uh, anger towards Drive to Survive and the lies, <laughs> essentially. The lies and deceit. Well, the production lies that they tell, um, you know, trying to make something out of nothing. And this time around, it's almost as if the 
frustration and the fury is hitting a fever pitch yeah full disclosure uh before we get into this discussion i have not seen the entire season of drive to survive yet i have because i do my homework yeah i'm just i'm a fucking amateur and i'm not ready and it's embarrassing and i'm gonna apologize to everybody mm-hmm. uh but i have seen just well, over half of it yeah and we'll figure out whether or not we're going to accept your apology yeah no you can defer with the stewards and it's fine um but what uh, yes call him to michael <laughs> what what i will do is that if anything if my opinion swings wildly, I will provide an update, but I'm comfortable talking about it from here because I've read a little about it as well. But um, I think with this season, people expecting to um, watch Drive to Survive after seeing all of the races were kind of on pins and needles because there was so much real existing drama that already happened that it makes you wonder, what is Netflix going to do with it? Because you can whiff pretty hard or you if you take it straight ahead though would that work for their format in terms of getting new people on board and sort of uh recapping a wide variety of things i don't think anybody had a lot of confidence i also know that a lot of what i heard early before it actually came out was bad i almost texted you like hey should we scrap the episode because i watched obviously the this huge review from matt gallagher on wtf1 and he basically just ripped it apart and i genuinely wish i had never watched that because i think i would have liked it a little more if i hadn't okay um, and i haven't watched that i just got i got his like matt gallagher's top yeah. line but it i just went into it with such skepticism and it took me a little while to warm up Mm-hmm. I think that episodes one and two were really bad because they were bad, but maybe I was a little harsh because I was, again, so skeptical uh, because episode three hit and I was like, oh, okay, here's what I'm here for. This is the good stuff. And then it carried on until episode eight was good. And then the finale nine and 10 are just brutal. Um, but I want to ask you right out of the gate. I don't want a, an in-between answer. Did you like it? Yes or no? Overall, yes. That's not an in-between answer. No. Yes or no? Yes. I liked it too. <laughs> um, I I do have qualifications for that. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, and um, absolutely. MB. But yeah, my overall answer is yes. Um, better than season two. Behind season one and three, I felt. Yeah, I actually think it's going to be tough for them to top season one, because yeah that was lightning in a bottle because the show worked. That's your first love. Yeah. So I think that that's going to be a struggle. I think that the show is at its best when it's carrying threads that have been there since that season. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the newer it gets and the more they want to introduce elements that have come in the seasons that they're covering, they get worse and worse at it. Like their grasp on how to do that, I feel like has been meh for me. Um, but Especially what I've seen so far of how they're arcing uh, Daniel Ricardo, I feel like from, if you take like season one and all the way to here, I feel like it's been a really good handling of like yep. the ebb and flow that he's had. Whereas when you get to, we need to introduce these guys to like who Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher are, mm-hmm. and you get only like 40 minutes and it's weirdly focused and it it's giving a lot of gravitas to stuff that didn't necessarily feel like it had in real life gravitas. Right. Um, that's always kind of weird, but on the whole, I think that it's doing good. The thing that I feel like I have a blind spot for is 
I don't know how it handles the most controversial part of the season, which mm-hmm. is how it ended. Yeah. And we'll get um, to that. Yeah. Um, and okay. Well actually off of that, I would rather this, this show be so much more focused on the human aspect of the sport Yes, and the backstories, uh, behind the scenes discussions than what actually happened on track. I agree. I, however, okay. Uh, actually, I should let you finish because you might say, well, I'm just, as someone who watches every single second of the season and then goes back and on Monday watches the highlights over again and watches the behind the scenes from the Red Bull communications crew and McLaren and all their YouTube stuff, I can't be arsed to watch things a third time. And I feel like we're past the introductory phase. Season one, I was totally fine with them coming out and being like, hey, if the tire's red, it's soft. Here's how qualifying works. There's a lot of money for P10 compared to P11. Totally fine with that. Totally fine with them recapping the season more as, um, you know, here's, here's what happens um, we go to this track, we go to this track, we go to this track, you know, there's a battle here, there's, there was a battle here, here's the main rivalries and stuff. Season four, we should almost be scrapping that entirely. The only thing I felt was uh, mandatory as an actual explanation as to how the sport works was episode 10 in Abu Dhabi. Because with, there with are, the safety it's a car. logistical mess. Because there are so many people that have watched F1 for so long that were confused. But I don't like there were multiple times where like they had Will Buxton, who, by the way, is a shining star of this. Yeah. Hero. And the um, let me bring up her name. I'm just going to dunk. On, I'm just going to dunk on this lady for a second. Yeah. Jenny Gao is insufferable. They should never, ever bring her back. Insufferable? Why? Way too like. So whenever, whenever Buxton is talking, it's like it's from the heart. It's organic and it's in the moment. This girl's reading off a piece of paper, it feels like. I didn't get that. Oh, man. It was so bad. No, I, I thought it was... I thought they were both good. I think Will Buxton is probably a cut above, but I thought Jenny was fine. Well, we'll agree to disagree because I never want to see your face ever again. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, so it just... He explained again, you know, oh, it's just finishing in the points is just so important. I'm like, yeah, man. Like Anyone thing, at this though. stage that is watching, we should get past that stuff. But... If you're Netflix, right, you cannot assume that people have watched all of it. You At st- this point, you should, though. But you can't because that's just not how it okay, works. Okay, well then, because to me, this show should not be about the new fan anymore. It was for three seasons. I think the problem that you're going to run up against is that, so there is a quote in... And episode- why are you starting in season four if you're a new fan either? Because people just put shit on on Netflix. Like you have to think about yeah. like the cons- press play. It'll get you to season one, episode one. No, but I mean like the consumption model just doesn't work that way. Um, there is a quote that I wrote down that I'm looking for that I cannot find. Okay. And while you're thinking of that, the other thing too, if I have to be told that wet weather is the great equalizer, which they said a hundred times this season on top of a thousand times the previous season, like I'm going to pull my hair out. I'm sorry. I was totally fine with this show being about the person that did not know anything about F1. I was fine for three years. We're totally past that. We're absolutely past that point. And it's, it's really getting like annoying. Yeah. I don't think it's going away. Um, I think they're kind of, married to that because I can't find where I wrote it down but 
the gist of what it was, it was from uh, the head of F1. Oh, what's his fucking name? I had that written down there too. Stefano, you know, the guy. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Hang on. Domenicali. <laughs> Stefano Domenicali was never going to remember that. But he essentially talks about coming in as the head of the sport and um, needing to maximize its value, right? So if you're thinking of drive to survive as a value proposition, it always has to serve a function of onboarding new people, no matter how they got there, even if it's frustrating to the longtime viewer. That's why people were reluctant about drive to survive from the beginning is because right it, that it's priorities but i are don't not for it the, doesn't have to be f1 101 anymore that's I what i'm saying i agree i just don't and, think and that's I, going to i change. feel like there's sh- okay sure then i then can i not just be pissed off about that no you can't because it's no it's there is what i'm seeing and on top of the gaffes and the just blatant lies that they tell with team radio and the the the, the, the laps out of order and all this crap it's just not respecting the fan that has been there for more than three years, you know? Right. Like the people that actually love this sport. Right. Um, what I would like to give a shout out to, um, just, I think this is indicative of how some people are thinking about, um, drive to survive and like what it is and how they're enjoying the sport in a different way than I'm here first and foremost for like an on track thing. And then now there is a behind the scenes look at that thing. Uh, in Vulture from uh, March 11th from Catherine Van Arendonk, uh, which is a very fun last name. F1 Drive to Survive is actually just a secret Real Housewives franchise. Um, and that piece is great. But um, I think an indicative line is several seasons in, I still understand only the barest outline of how Formula One racing operates. Whereas I think the reason those things are reiterated is because there are people who are coming in and even watching this show who are in it strictly for the funny Netflix infused, probably made up weird drama bullshit. And so but it's, that, even, that's like an inherent the, quality to it. Even the made up drama is so weak though. And I feel like people that have some sort of ability to read social situations and if they, especially if you watch reality TV too, because you can always, always tell when it's edited, right? You can always yeah. tell when the producer has stepped in and, and changed what actually happened. I feel like anyone that has some sort of grip on that is going to see it for what it is, which is a complete sham yeah. at points. Um, <laughs> you can always tell when, when someone says, you know, um, or, or they're, they're sitting down and there's a, their communications director is there with both drivers and and they're talking about, you know, um, a controversy that we know wasn't actually a controversy during the season. Right. And they say something to just bring up the fact but, uh, by the two drivers and then there's silence and you look at the other two drivers and they're making, you know, pouty faces, but you can clearly see yeah. that it's about something else. And they've just, they just glued that in there from this piece, actually. The tiny, hyper-concentrated scale makes Drive to Survive a hothouse for drama. Everyone goes to the same parties. Everyone shows up to the same press conference and has to give excruciating quotes about their teammates. And like any great housewife series or scene, Drive to Survive lives and dies on tiny reaction shots. <laughs> Little moments when one person watches someone else and flinches in horror or gasps in dismay. F1 is unusually well-designed to support that. Um, she says an account of like, the teams being so big that there are so many people around able to just like look at something happening. Right. Like, right. And, uh, 
there is a scene in season four when Toto Wolf wears an expression that looks like he's about to rip open his own skin and transform into an apocalyptic combat robot. And like, I think this is just a great sense. A, just very funny line um, in the piece, but also just that the exact thing that I kind of lament being annoying, if you know, like the A to B of the season is the thing that people are watching it for potentially. Um, and that's not to say she specifically is, but it can be interpreted that way. Mm-hmm. So just like there is a genre of viewer for this that is looking for the most contrived, most ridiculous, most real housewives ass aspect of it. And I do think they're leaning into that. And uh, I do think that is to the frustration of the F1 viewer who was also watching this. And apparently the drivers too. Because yeah, I read Lando. I, well, I'm I'm wondering. So Max obviously did not talk to Netflix last year. Yeah, and that comes across pretty obviously, especially in episode nine and ten, because he's the fucking world champion, and he's he, not. you never see him in front of a, a Netflix camera. It's very clear. And also, Horner is just a stand-in for basically all of Red yeah. Bull. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, you get you get um, three minutes from Checo in uh, the entire Checo's experience season. is almost 90% reaction shot. Not reaction shots, but yeah. walking into a venue. Yeah. They use the same shots of Checo all the time, and then that's it. So I'm worrying. Uh, I'm I'm wondering at this point, um, and I think the the livelihood of it, and it's just just its um, its ability to st- stay alive in the next few years. That's going to come into question because how many drivers that have been basically just lied about? It's it's just blatant lies, right? Like Lando Norris. There's a bit of Daniel Ricciardo lying this season. Obviously, they did Carlos Sainz dirty previously with a rivalry against um, against Lando. Yeah. It's almost Lando like Lando described Netflix as overdoing it. Right. Um, it's it's almost like the only people that come across looking really good are first of all first of all mercedes as a whole the job they do to make you feel bad for that team in episode nine and ten is it's basically a hatchet job against red bull um i know shocking hearing me say that and then like mick schumacher who by the way kind of fair because there was no controversy surrounding him like he was just a good lad last year that that put on some good performances yeah but like everyone else there's a few points in which they're either sewering them or genuinely just making things yeah. out that didn't happen. They're as, just lying about as things. As a McLaren fan, I feel like I can best nitpick that. But um, something that Lando actually points out... By the way, out, once, can I just... Ra- one thing. Yeah. The reason why it's so dangerous for them to be doing that is because they're doing it to the team in McLaren that has been the most willing of any constructor on the grid. They have been the most willing to bring them behind the scenes, to have their drivers, their team principals, all of their their staff talk with Netflix. Yeah. You're just throwing out essentially, you know, your um the, the main piece of your content. Yeah, I think right? the relationship with McLaren Especially now that Ricardo's it with them, right? He's with, their guy. The relationship between Drive to Survive and McLaren is buckling under the weight of Drive to Survive already being attached to Daniel Ricardo, no matter where he is. Mm-hmm. So they have a responsibility, they feel, as Drive to Survive, when Daniel is struggling early, to make that attention between him and Lando, Lando who is doing better. However, look, do Lando and Daniel seem like they have great chemistry? No. 
Do they seem like they really would hang out that much outside of the track? Not especially. They've said as much. However, there's a fine line between that and um, this weird framing of Lando as like this heartless monster who doesn't care for the plight of another driver and um, is just like ruthlessly (laughs) trying to undercut him (laughs) despite basically being a child by comparison. And um, it's... It's it's off-putting because we already have an understanding of who these people are, admittedly through the lens of what they choose to put out into the world or what we hear about through like press, but that is mutually positive, and seeing a version of it that feels particularly manufactured is frustrating. This quote comes from Lando. It's in an article from GP fans, but um, there's a bit of me and Daniel going side-by-side side in turn one in Bahrain. Uh, when we're not even close and I claim he pushes me off, which is from a completely different race. So bad. And that's the part where there are already things happening on track where you don't need to do that level of cherry picking to create the scene that you want. I think they're doing it a bit too much. They also choose weird times to do it. A great example from episode four Um, which is when we get the Nikita Mazepin struggle montage um, in Spain. Uh, All of the team radio messages, uh, the car has soft tires, and he's complaining about the balance and not being able to get it right and wondering why Mick is doing so much better. And he has a spin, and when he has a spin, he's on hard. (laughs) And it's from from practice, and it's just not... And then it goes... But when you're getting the team radio reaction to the spin, he's on softs again. And you do not have to be a particularly observant person Mm -hmm. to notice that. And it's that thing where it's like, just show me what happened. They need to hire four or five F1 experts to just like green light these episodes just to sign off on them. Because so much of the product, it, it, it's, it, they're tripping over themselves. They're getting in their own way. Because, yeah, sure. Like, I was talking to um, uh, my mom and my stepdad. They were just over before we started recording this. And I said, like, have you, are you guys into F1? And they're like, oh, you know, we watched some races last year. And we can't wait to start uh, from uh, season one. We're going to go. Uh, they're on March break right now. And they're going to go watch it. And those aren't the people that you're losing. And you can kind of stay afloat with getting new people on board. But at some point, you're going to start losing the diehard fans, which I don't know if you know this, but there are a lot of them. It is such a passionate, passionate following um, of this sport. And at some point, the majority of viewers that have seen this show are going to turn on DTS. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe that's already happened. I also think though, if you're Netflix, and even if you're Formula One to an extent, um, because I do think I I don't disagree with like the idea of having some sort of sign off entirely, but it is always suspect to have a sporting organization represent itself. I don't want that to happen. No, no, no. I don't want F1 to be involved with DTS whatsoever, but you need to have people that understand the sport and have watched that season like in, like second by second sign off on these episodes because it's clear that they don't have anyone that is in a producer's role that actually watches this fucking sport. 
Like it's so blatantly obvious. I don't think it's, it's clear. Me, I just think they're they don't I don't think it's a priority. Then okay, then then they're deciding to not be embarrassed by yeah. these by and, and yes, because I guess we should stop calling them errors or gaffes or whatever because they're doing it on purpose. Yeah, obviously, they knew exactly what they're do- <laughs> they know exactly what they're doing, right? Yeah, it's just lies. It's just blatant lies. I think it's so funny how we started this uh, this conversation off with, "Did you like it?" And we both said yes. Well, here's, here's, <laughs> well, here's the bottom line: Does it make for enjoyable television? Yeah, right. you fucking know it. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> does. Is it an accurate retelling of what happened? Not really. Um, another article, actually, that sort of echoed a similar point uh, was Hazel Southwell wrote at The Drive. Um, From the wreckage of 2021, I don't want an accurate retelling. I don't want to relive any of the drama of last year. I sort of go into a weird fugue state when I even think about it. And I was worried season four of Drive to Survive was going to play off a championship that felt script annotated for Netflix and essentially make me depressed for the next week. But I'm weirdly surprised to tell you that instead it made me cackle for days. <laughs> <laughs> and her, her write-up is also great. Yeah. Um, just sort of highlighting. She says, DTS isn't accurate. It's ridiculous. It's annoying how ridiculous it is. <laughs> but after what felt like a very serious, far too long season, I was ready for stupidity. I think that is maybe the best two-line summary you can give of season four you're okay she has an incredible outlook on it like her <laughs> attitude going into watching that and coming out of it god bless her like i'm glad she had a great time i can't do that as someone who cares so much about this sport and i'm sure she does as well but who has someone who cares like i do this is just gross the shit they do is just gross that's reality and, tv man <sighs> I'm not saying it's it, right, but it's just it's that's the product they've chosen to make. It just feels like they could have somewhere along the line, and maybe they did this in season one. I feel like it was pretty close in season one, where they respected both both halves of the pie chart of F1 fans that were going to be watching that um, that show. Right? They respected the people that wanted to get into it and had no clue what they were watching. And they respected the people who have watched it for decades. And now it's kind of like you have the newbies on for the ride now. They understand. So first of all, we need to move away from, again, this F1 101 introductory kind of bullshit. But on top of that, too, you're just losing people who actually really love this sport and love it for the reality of it. How, 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 how brutally honest it can be at times. Because one of the great things that um, F1... As a, as, a, as, a, as a league does and, and that teams do within it is actually be pretty damn honest with us. The team radio is always broadcast. There's nothing hidden. Um, the, the highlights, they're never going back and scrubbing things that make drivers look bad. Uh, the teams are honest about their drivers for the most part. And then you turn around and at the end of the season, as you're getting excited for the next year, you watch this crap and it just fe- makes you feel dirty. You just walk away feeling dirty, especially because I enjoyed it. You know, I was going to say, so what did you like? Because I know what you didn't. We've established that. Okay. So, well, <laughs> you know what I, I kind of want to do? Um, and I know I probably didn't prepare you for this, but I kind of want to go and not, we can't spend too much time because we want to get out. Famous last words. Yeah, I know. But I want to actually go like episode by episode and just like kind of read like the notes that I had, like the little jot notes. Yeah. I will say uh, my jot notes are fairly short. Um, I don't don't have a lot. Mine too. Absolutely. Um, And like I I wrote best moments slash cool insight. And then I wrote worst moments slash gaffes and errors and lies. 
So let's go. Let's hop Death into the stuff that we and like. Lies and deceit. Let's and hop crime. into the stuff that we like. All right. Episode one. Uh, oh my god! My quote was right at the top of my fucking notes. Oh yeah. Uh, he said the quote that made me. It also made me laugh. Tight. The title fight is important for the credibility of the sport and increasing value. Says the head of Formula One. Yeah. Is what he said. The credibility of the sport, which was called greatly into question, <laughs> um, and the value and the value of increasing, which is being done by a reality show. So. All right, episode one, uh, which is called Clash of the Titans. Titans. But Here's okay. the thing: I have four points that I liked. First of all, hilarious that the whoever the producer was that was interviewing Nikita Matsupin asked him to say introduce himself in russian in russian and it's just the same thing but with a different accent yeah nikita Mazepin, haas f1 team so when you do it in russian well he's still gonna say his name and because it's an american like it's just a team you can't just have a different word for haas f1 team <laughs> she just does it in a russian accent uh i paused when they showed toto's laptop during a team zoom call with mercedes and it had the concerns of the upcoming season and their car on a powerpoint that was so cool. That's what I'm saying. I need more of that. The stuff that we completely missed and weren't shown, right? How cool. That, that insight was awesome to me. Yeah. Uh, really cool seeing Horner talking shit behind the scenes about Mercedes. Now, I, I, not just like that they're a bunch of bollockses or whatever the heck they call or like them. like when Lewis, but, is, he tells Lewis to shut the fuck yeah, up. But yeah. And it's like, of course he wants Lewis to shut the fuck up. But when, I, when I'm saying like, when, I, when I'm excited to hear Horner talking shit, it's when there's actually some substance to it. Talking about, oh, the Mercedes, they can't handle the car into this turn, or clearly they have something wrong with their, their balance or whatever. And that was cool. I could do away with a lot of the whole, they're dickheads, I hate them, they're annoying or whatever. Like, give me more intricate uh, uh, trash talking, you know, like detailed trash talking. Uh, and then trash finally, talking with decimal points. Uh, <laughs> Karun Shandok, I loved the little... I'm all in on Red Bull. Don't fuck it up for me. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was cute. I will say, what's funny about that, I actually had a note about that too, um, but I almost have a problem with like how they're even framing that. Really? No. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was, it was, it was apparent that. Um, I think it's apparent that he was making the comment in a lighthearted mm -hmm. way, but I think Netflix wants you to think really? that he means oh, it. Oh, I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't, that didn't come across. Um, I came across to me like that, that way and I was like, I was like, man, you've sewered Karun Chandok. I didn't think so. I thought it was, a, I thought it was really funny. It's funny I it, way. Yeah. All right. What's, um, what about for you for episode one? Uh, I like the uh, pep talk from Gunter Steiner. That's just, please don't hit each other <laughs> um, because he's, look, he's gone through a lot and the last thing he needed was that. I also just thought, um, it was crazy that it crafts such a good sense of the level of contempt for Mercedes winning all the time. Um, because obviously it's something that if you've been watching for a long time, you already get it that it's kind of like, okay, there they go. They win again. But like mm -hmm. they show every single team say, I want fucking fuck those guys. <laughs> like, and I thought that it was building like a meaningful sense of, yeah, the the desire to have a change at the top the scales are swinging yeah. and it's not just red bull wants to win it's everybody says mercedes needs to get the fuck out yeah and i thought that was great um pining for some parody yeah and i think that that goes a long way um my biggest complaint honestly okay so we're, we're gonna do worst moments mine's very We're gonna general go best and worst moments of each episode okay yeah. i agree yes go um 
I'm not that interested in hearing the team principals talk like this, which is sort of what you were alluding to with wanting different sounding trash talk. But it's like, I am, especially with Toto and Christian, but like, I could live the rest of my life and never hear those two guys talk again, and I will still have heard them talk too much. Like, so much of the focus, especially toward the end of the season as it was happening, was just these two fucking guys beaking at each other, and I'm done. And it bothered me in the first two episodes, really, um, how much of the emphasis was on the team principles Mm -hmm. and not the drivers. I'm a lot more interested in the drivers. I think it has a lot to do with their availability. 100%. Because Lewis Hamilton is the busiest man on the planet, and yeah. Max Verstappen does not want to talk so to So Christian Netflix. has to be there no matter what, and Absolutely. Toto has to be there no matter what. Absolutely. So I give them a pass for that. On top of that, I think Toto and Christian are absolute alphas, and I love watching them go at it. Um, okay, my worst moments of uh, episode one, I wrote down... Uh, you'd think they'd work out the cringe after four seasons because nope, the there cringe was is permanent. so much cringe. Obviously, I had this uh, Jenny Gao is annoying. Buxton can talk circles around her. She's acting too polished. That's what I was. That's what I was trying to say. It, it sounded like she was reading off a piece of paper and annoyed me. Okay, a couple of gaffes. Pretty sure they used an Alpine engine noise for Max at the start of Bahrain. Again, inexcusable. Uh, race or defend quote from uh, Russell when he's closing in on Vettel. He asks them, should I race him or should I defend against him? Clearly, he's talking about someone behind him from another race. He's closing in on Sebastian Vettel. Should I defend against Vettel? You're behind him. It's just, it's just another lie. Another lie. And then uh, last one was, what a boring episode. I thought it was so, yeah. so fucking boring. All right, episode two. Um. I think it's really funny that they crafted a Daniel Ricardo blowing it compilation. <laughs> like that episode begins with just like P13, P16, yeah. P14, like just fucking blowing it. I and, mean, to be fair, he deserved it. Oh my dude, don't even get me started. <laughs> um, but I, I'm joking, but it, it feels the fact that it ends with a shot of his pit board falling over is a little bit dramatic. Oh, that was good though. But, I like no, I that. like it. Yeah. And I think, they're they're finding helpful ways to condense storylines that took the whole season into palatable amounts where it's like, I need to understand that Daniel was struggling. Here's a montage. Mm -hmm. Fine. I don't need to see everything. You're just communicating what I need to know. And I think that is helpful. Um, But at the same time, uh, my notes in this case are a little bit more negative. Are we on episode two now? Yeah. Okay. Let's pick it up. Uh, this is the good stuff, okay? But it is kind of a bit of a negative as well. One of the worst putts I've ever seen in my entire life was from it Lando, Lando Norris. It was Lando. It was Lando. I, he, he had, I think he had, it looked like 10 or 15 feet uphill, ended up having 10 feet after the putt. Just don't show me that. I don't want, I never want to see that ever. It hurts me as someone who actually plays golf as a man who golfs it hurts me so much and i know that lando's not even a bad player you can show him hitting a couple of good chips a couple of good drives show him sinking a six footer don't show me that but but they needed to film the part where they had him talk to his friend specifically about f1 and not whatever they were probably talking about right which was other shit right (laughs) uh love the comms discussion about the sympathy uh i think it wasn't done absolutely 
properly in that it showed that, uh, you know how Lando said, like, I don't have sympathy for Daniel. Um, I think we needed to see that and they showed us it, but they, sh- they, again, they did the whole like, okay, pan to Daniel, he's pissed off, pan to Lando, he's pissed off. Like, yeah, shots from clearly just yeah. other things. But, but what I loved was uh, the comms director saying, all right, we're the, killing this story yeah, today. Absolutely. That's what I loved about it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I loved about it. You, what's the best? It is funny that they're contri- like they're actively contriving storylines and then showing the team say, we're not letting this become a thing. Right, right, right. Um, I laughed really hard when they showed uh, Lando talking about qualifying. Or no, uh, I guess it was testing. Yeah, well, I, I didn't write down who said it. It must have been uh, Lando, but one nil down already. Fuck shit, fuck. <laughs> like, just, just a good line. Um... I also thought it was weird that episode two doesn't show Charles hit the wall in qualifying. It comes in a different episode. Um, Dude, this the way they split up the races across episodes is frustrating because it feels like oversight. It feels like context that you would want when the race first comes up rather than absolutely we're going back to Monaco. We're going back to Monaco. I don't mind if they have to do races. Yeah twice and they'll have because, and they have to because like it. when you have a race like hungary in which williams had a there was a major storyline with williams there was a major storyline with alpine right uh they had a bit of yuki sonoda in there for some reason i don't because they needed they, to make those guys rivals have, yeah they didn't yeah all calling sonoda they just hate all each other so that much. brand new rookie who has to deal with the pressure of f1 like he's yeah. not been here for five fucking years and or then whatever. also in hungary was it should have been mercedes gaffs should have been more um, but there should have been a spotlight over that a little bit more. Yeah. So I get that. You have races like that. Is there a shot ever of Lewis on the grid by himself? Yeah, but it's very... They don't do it properly. Yeah. Um. So I get that. But the first time you talk about that race, you have to give all the context. You have to tell us what happened. And then you can come back to it and show us how a different team prepared for it, what the stakes were for them, and then uh, tell us about their race. Like, don't show me Charles Leclerc uh, crashing into the wall in episode three when you already showed me it in episode when you showed me the race in episode two and didn't even tell us like why he had a problem why he, he couldn't I'd start be curious to see how the show worked chronologically i'd be curious if they could still get the effect that they They'd have want to jam if they went so much in though to those important I, races yeah, i just i would just be curious to yeah. see if it if it could even um work for them is that all for good or we're on bad now um, episode two we're still on episode two and by the way the name of episode two is ace in the hole uh i'm just gonna start uh just absolutely lambasting it uh it's apparent that dts does a bulk of filming during testing get on with it please i i i, I don't care about testing at all i i care about it for the week when it's happening and i want to forget about it for um for the rest of the season uh they showed bahrain quali twice that didn't need to happen I don't care what kind of storylines uh, you're drumming up. Show show qualifying once, please, especially in Bahrain. Also, uh, relatedly, um, to my Mazepin point from earlier, I'm just going to say it now because it came up already. Um, they're showing footage from Free Practice 2. And it's like, who fucking cares? Like, oh, <laughs> I so don't want to see Nikita Mazepin spin in Free Practice 2. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, uh, okay, so gaffes understeer was actually oversteer uh that he he's forced me off lando when he wasn't forced off they showed in this battle between lando and daniel they showed daniel weaving the steering wheel 
as if he was battling with Lando, but that's clearly just behind a safety car. Yeah. Uh, another one. They. <laughs> this one is hilarious. The, I swear to God, watch this back. It's in the middle of the episode. <laughs> My comment is, did they actually dub over a fan's interaction with Ricardo? If you listen, it's... it's I don't ju- remember that. They, you think, think they ADR'd a fan? Absolutely they did. 100%. <laughs> She's like, thank you very much, Daniel. And it's just clearly fake. Clearly fake. Uh, final one. Yeah. Le- Leclerc's gearbox story without the quality crash is just stupid. It doesn't, make the, it, it doesn't um, work at all. And then uh, they show the garage clearly shocked about something that actually happened during the race. You know? Like, it, the, the, the garage wasn't watching him do his um, lap to the grid. They were already on the grid. That's what happens at the start of a fucking Formula One race. And, you know, he starts saying, oh, there's something wrong, there's something wrong, which would only happen live on the radio. And they show the Ferrari garage and all the mechanics are like, oh, no, oh, bibbidi-bop. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> You're not sorry. <laughs> episode three. Wait, did you have any more? No. And my episode three notes are uh, very short. Oh, I, have, these, I have two. It, it, gets, it gets a little scarce. All right. So good stuff. I'll, I'll go and then you can go. Uh, best episode so far, in my opinion. Yep. Obviously way better than uh, uh, one and two. It might have actually been the best episode of the season. Uh, first real glimpse of the real fight between Red Bull and Mercedes. Quote, This was super cool. Uh, This is from Max uh, before the race, speaking to Christian, quote, I spoke to Carlos and he said they had so much front end. They're very close. And I was like, oh, that's that's what I wanted. There's some insight. There's some stuff we didn't see, especially like Red Bull wasn't going to show that on their YouTube page afterwards. Yeah. Admitting that Ferrari is good. (laughs) Uh, behind the scenes, Lewis debriefing Toto on what he saw on the Red Bull. So cool. Yeah. Also, um, oh, wait, the, not this episode, I don't think. Sorry. But uh, they get great stuff from Lewis. Yeah. And they're not using it because they must have more. But like Lewis in the garage, I could watch for yep. 10 hours. Absolutely. Like, uh, Oh, man. The sound of Max getting the wind knocked out of him. Uh at Silverstone. Oh, it is this episode. I've, okay. brought, I've brought this up a couple of times. It is some, some of the most haunting audio I've ever heard in sports. Because it, first of all, like I've had that happen to me. So it's just like this visceral kind of like memory of the exact feeling because it's like you kn- deep down, you know, you're going to be okay, but it's such a struggle to literally just breathe and hearing them saying, Max, are you okay? Max, are you okay? And by the way, this actually did happen. You can look back on the radio. It's not like they're making it too dramatic. They're asking him like, what's going on? And he's just like, uh, yeah, uh, that is haunting as hell. So they did that really well. Um, yeah, that was that was the good stuff for episode three. Uh, it wasn't this episode, so I wanted to add it because it must okay. have been. But um, if I whiff, whatever. But uh, when Lewis and Toto are talking, and he's when Lewis is talking about what happened in Baku, and he's just like, like that shit gave me nightmares. <laughs> like he's like, I can't believe I did that. Like he, yeah. he seeing that he can't let it go is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely, because it, it gives you like a sense of like the competitor's mindset of because he makes mistakes rarely. So when he makes them, he cannot fucking let it like it sits Mm -hmm. and it festers and it's like that's interesting because the lewis that you usually get is much more kind of put together and it's optimistic yeah it's nice seeing him be a bit more human yeah he's always thinking about those girls and boys back in the factory yeah but and also (laughs) because lewis is under a lot of pressure when he talks to people 
to get that image across. Lewis Hamilton does not have a huge margin for error mm-hmm. when speaking to anybody about anything. So I think it's nice to see more of that kind of like, I can't fucking believe this shit yeah. feeling from him. Show the chinks in the armor. Yeah. Right. Um, anything more for episode three? Um, Until we get to the gaffes? No, I'm okay. Okay. Uh, first of all, we're back in Monaco without, and now we finally see Leclerc's. That we already talked about that. Uh, here's the biggest one that I started noticing that I actually, um, it happens in almost every single episode. The captions are so inaccurate. The like, they just say things that the drivers clearly didn't say, um, and it's it's so consistent throughout the entire season. Again, just like, did you not have a single editor? go over it one time before you release this thing. Okay. Episode four. So this is, this is, uh, this is our boy, Nikki. This is our boy, Nikita Matsupin. Yeah, not to be confused with Nikki, Nikki, Nicholas Latifi. Yeah. The, uh, preferential Nikki. Absolutely. <laughs> um, my first note is, uh, George loves to talk about sweat. Every time you see George Russell walk into a racetrack, he's talking about how fucking hot it is <laughs> and that he's already sweaty. That's very funny. Um, this episode I actually think is fantastic, um, because of what we get from the Haas team side of the discussion. I thought this was a really, really good episode. Uh, yeah, because, um, like Gunter Steiner having to kid gloves Dimitri Mm -hmm. Mazepin. Oh my God. Um, is amazing. I also think, um, for all the baggage it comes with, uh, whether it be, um, geopolitical, personal, um, on-track behavior. I am interested in seeing how Nikita Mazepin wants to present himself. And I am interested sure. in what he's doing and why he feels the way that he feels. And I, I, need, my, I need my friends close and my en- enemies close. Yeah, I need I to know think everything I want <laughs> about this guy. I think they do a good job painting... A portrait of a guy who is only now realizing that money cannot buy you everything. And he doesn't well know why that doesn't work. Well said. And if I didn't think that he was kind of a shitty dude, I would feel bad watching this person just not get mm-hmm. why it doesn't work. Um, I don't have an overwhelming amount of sympathy for Nikita Masman and his dad can get fucked. But... Um, <laughs> It's really compelling. And then seeing the team have to dance around. Dealing with the dad, amazing detail out of this. His dad has been to almost every race he's ever yeah. won. That's crazy. Or ever raced, ever raced. Yeah. He missed, he's missed 15 out of like and he's done over 400. Yeah. Which is like the, the weird, uniquely billionaire kind of broken relationship between dad and son there. Mm-hmm. Broken by being um, too attached is really interesting because it's like you have Dimitri and Nikita Mazepin and you have Haas and they're butting heads the entire time to the point where they earnestly believe that they have swapped cars to make Mick look good. Like Mick did not win F3 and then win F2. He knows how to drive a car. (laughs) Like this was a warranted hatchet job. This was Netflix knowing exactly what the project was. Um, they did such a good job confirming my hunch that the Matsupins are petty losers. They're just losers. Um, 
I and they didn't even have to try and make it look like Mick was the golden boy because they like Mick didn't have to do anything. No, because <laughs> they, uh, barely talked they to let Mick. the Matsapins do the talking and they let them do the complaining and the and the worrying and the whining and the threatening and the threatening. I was just about to get that. It was the like, Dimitri, fourth race of the season. They're like, we're going to take the funding out of the team. Dimitri straight up threatens the team, says he'll leave F1 unless they switch the cars to prove there's no difference. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. Um, I, 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 this, this episode does a really good job at making you feel something. Also, I was I was emotional throughout the entire thing, and I don't give a shit about Hass. I yeah. don't care at all. Hass, like Daniel, great example of a thread that they've had mm-hmm. the entire time that they've done a very good job handling the shifts in. Um, I think. How like, incredible is it that Gunter's still around? I I understand that their 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 ceiling is not as high as other teams. Their expectations are not as high. But like this dude, I can't tell if Gunter Steiner's good at his job or not. Oh, he's bad at his job. Don't worry, he's very, very bad at his job. But that like, is clear to me. But like, he cannot keeping him around for a reason. He cannot handle driver relationships. Clearly, he has no idea how to. And I understand that there are. Hopefully, there are people that are the head of aero, the head of you know mechanical parts and engine and stuff like that. But like Christian Horner and Toto Wolf have a great deal. They're involved with that a great deal. So their heads should be on the chopping block if any of those aspects are not up to par. And guess what? Haas has been shit for Hell, even three Will- years even straight. Even Williams in a later episode, you hear George talk about like, it seems like Yost is going to fire some people. Like, yeah, that, well, you're getting ahead of yourself, man. No, it was I irre- liked that. It was I irrelevant. wasn't my good stuff. We're going to get there. All right. It's and a relevant point. I actually, and you brought up a couple of, of errors and you know like we i like to call them just lies about that episode of like you know showing the different tires and that's stuff that's not like really gunter steiner's boat what that's not his boat oh it was just for the, it's not okay, his boat yeah. okay i missed that one my bad god um i loved that sequence it's just like gunter and mick having to do promotional photo shoots with like closets and like, yeah um i actually didn't find much wrong with this episode i just said it was a slow beginning most of the episodes have had slow beginnings and that's about it uh we're moving on episode five uh (laughs) i only have one this was a to me it was a boring episode this focuses a lot on um uh, on mclaren i thought they did an all right let's go (laughs) i thought thought that they did an all right job just uh doing monza it was fine for me but it was more there was I had just seen everything, you know. Yeah. It, there wasn't enough behind the scenes. I will say this is my only comment. Good news is Zach Brown plays hockey. Bad that news is bad news is he uses a wheelie bag. That is embarrassing. I don't care how old you are. He carried it if you got, if you got back problems, he's not even a goalie and he's using a wheelie bag. Do goalies get a pass? Yeah, because they have <laughs> huge pads. Sure. Huge helmet, huge glove, huge blocker. They could put them on and just walk to the arena. Um, I will say all the goalies that I have respected in my in my life, they they still don't use wheelie bags, but I actually do give them a pass. If you're a player, man, it's so it. That's just he's got to learn. Um, I have to double check this. So if if this episode comes out and I end up being wrong, I will rescind this. But I am almost certain Mm -hmm. that when they tell Daniel that he was six milliseconds behind Lando in qualifying, and he's like, "Fuck." 
Yeah. They say more because not only that, he was like a tenth off of second. Right. That's what they're talking about. That's why it's he's, not just that he's so behind right. Lando. So it's right. that he was right behind Lando and also right behind everybody except for yeah. Bottas, who was like clear. But like the point that they were making yeah. was you were right there, period. Yeah. Not you were right there and Lando's in front of you. Yeah, and they're make again, they're making that rivalry, that fake rivalry. Also, uh, in my good column, I just have the quote, this DJ should get shot. Uh, which Daniel says when he's getting yeah, the car. Yeah, now there's a rift between alive. Daniel and the DJ. <laughs> um, I, uh, I Again, I just wrote down, like, captions are wrong constantly again. Uh, another slur- starts, uh, slow start to the episode, fake rivalry. I feel like they undersell the crash as well. They uh, show it totally. in a cool-looking shot. The, pro- it, the shot really illustrates the degree to which it was actually the car that hit Lewis in the head and not the tire. Yeah. Like, I like the when they were back at the factory um, with Mercedes going over it. Toto's yeah. like, thank God for the halo. They looked at the the top of the, the car. I don't know what the heck that, that's called. Tire marks all over it. They yeah. looked at his helmet and stuff. That was kind of cool. Uh, episode six. Okay, I got to open with a gaffe. So they open it. It's Claire Williams and she's in her car. And obviously she stepped down his team. Uh, Is it when she's doing the AC? Yeah. Oh my God. So you noticed it too. So obviously now this is not, I don't have a problem with this Dude, part. This I, don't, is awesome. I don't have a problem with this part. This is just editing at so, its finest. So let me set the scene for you. So Clara Williams in her car, right? She's in her car. She's listening to the radio. It's clear that she's not listening to the radio, but movies, television, reality TV this shows, is a thing. they do it all the time. They play something in the background, you know, uh, let's say that the guy was fired from his job or, uh, you know, he hears his, his, um, his, his wife's, uh, uh, you know, voice singing on the radio. She's a pop star or whatever. And she's like, oh, I, I can't believe I got divorced. I'm sad and stuff. I'm going way too far on this. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. But so, so, and, and so she's listening to it and it, it's a, it's a newscast talking about how she stepped down as head of Williams and they brought in uh, new funding for the team. It's it's essentially owned by uh, uh, vultures. Yeah. So Will- Williams is essentially, you know, they've they've sold the team. They've they've sold out in the interest of not being terrible. And she clicks a button, and the radio turns off. But she clicked the AC. Yeah. Also, th- she hits a different button, and it changes who's speaking. Just before that, um, and. I would. Can I give this the benefit of the doubt because it's hilarious? If the editor just saw that and goes, I could act like that was the radio hero. Like, if they just realized, like, it wasn't malicious or anything, but they're just like, oh, that would be a cute way to edit this. It's like she's hitting buttons. Man. Um, that's very funny. It's, I think it's so bad. I, that's, it's funny, though. It's, yeah, it's funny, but I'm not laughing with them, you know? Sure. <laughs> um, I think the rest of the episode is pretty good i think i am most interested in this show when we're like midfield and further honestly um because i feel like i have a very good sense of the title fight from yeah and your favorite and your favorite teams like a top three top four team yeah so so i'm a lot more like i love getting first of all i didn't know a lot about uh yas capito before this i thought he was a star of the um of this season one of the stars of the season what a fucking guy yeah maybe don't tell people to grab balls 
but every, everything else i didn't mind good. that i thought that was fun <laughs> um, <laughs> um i thought it was super cool info when he talked about the paddock order it's the previous championship so that oh, when yeah. you're at the back of it's a walk of shame yeah essentially and he you know he he tells everyone you know make sure you get a good look as you're walking by look at y- where you use, want to use be. The, yeah use that as motivation and I mean, like, that's a guy that I would run through a wall for. You immediately, and you hear George talk about it as well, right? Like, this guy. It's motivating, but yeah. also he's ready to, like. I think it's respectful enough to Claire and. It is respectful and, to Claire and, and, Fra- and the Williams yeah. family. They understand that this is still their team, but it's very, very obvious. It's blatantly clear that this guy is stepping in and. To and, crack and doing things, Yeah, and doing things the right way, whereas Claire was just. Claire also had the. She was a distinct, wet, listen, Corey. She was a wet napkin. All right. Well, but also what I was gonna say was she also had the distinct disadvantage of having no money, um, which did not make that job any easier. Corey, we've what? been over this. You do not need money in F one. <laughs> Anybody can race. Um, but uh, I think that this is great because this is the last time I will be able to see George Russell on this show and not fucking hate him. So yeah, uh, it was it, it was a joy seeing him relish the small successes because god he is already becoming insufferable and there has not even been a race yet in 2022 mm-hmm. uh the other Dude thing was born to drive at mercedes we'll get into george a little bit more because he's in episode eight um oh, there's more okay um one of the funniest things is so they're, they're showing hungry and i f- i think i forgot about this maybe it's from a different race that's why i forgot about it but um, they show Leclerc just getting like bowled into and they go on his radio and in the most, I know he's from, he's a Madagascar, right? He's from Madagascar. He's like French basically. And in the most Italian accent, he screams, ah, they fucked me. <laughs> and I played that back three times. It is funny. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, it rubs off on you. I think the, the Ferrari Italian, mm-hmm. um, Oh, for sure. You have to learn it too. Sebastian Vettel speaks uh, fluent Italian. Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, I think um, he spoke a little before, but he's pretty much fluent because of I Ferrari. speak the Ferrari dialect of Italian. <laughs> Anything else on episode six? Yeah, I think um, I like that it could have been really easy to not talk about Latifi at all. Um, and I like that they do um, yeah. because I think... He seems like a nice lad. I just think... No, I don't want to say he's like underrated in terms of ability per se, but I think that he gets shortchanged on presence more than almost anybody else in terms of like discussion. Yeah. Um, because he's not George Russell. So Mm -hmm. when he's in a car that sucks, it's harder for he's competent, but he's not amazing. So I like seeing more of what's going on with a guy who is just sort of like, if he was in a bet, if they had a better car, he'd be like, Ninth. Yeah. In the first three seasons, he was just so... They made him out to be so insignificant. Yeah. When clearly that's just not how that works, right? Like in Hungary, I mean, he was the guy to essentially score the first points yeah. for Williams in George the past four seasons. said to fucking torpedo his race if they had to. Yeah, just absolutely. Just so Nikki could get points. Um, all right. Episode seven. Hold on. There's one more thing. Okay. Sorry. Uh, there is a shot of George Russell changing. Oh, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Dude loves for, that. Like, I, know, <laughs> I know that that guy's chiseled. But he's still 140 pounds. Dude, like, I, I don't I don't get the whole thin you know, chisel, look I guess. at me, you know? Um, anyways, whatever. 
Uh, had to give. Oh, come on. Had to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> I said he was chiseled. I said he was chiseled. Definitely takes care of himself. Credit to the show. <laughs> still, he still should probably put away the umbrella if the wind starts to blow. <laughs> Best insight of the season is in episode seven. This is the part where I haven't seen anything. So Callum, go I'm just going to go off. Rattle through the last few episodes. Okay, we'll I get will. Out of here. Uh, the way that they look through Yuki's struggles and really take a guy who I think a lot of people's opinion is that he's this happy-go-lucky, you know, a little bit of a gnome, right? He's a, he's just, uh, he's walking around. Earlier loving, in the show, there's life. a shot where somebody just says, look at how small he is. Yeah. So I, I think that we, we look at, you know, he's a cute little Japanese boy. Like everyone loves Yuki, but then he's the, fucking the first, ruthless well, the first few races, people were like, oh my God, have you heard his team radio? He's he's mad all the time. And this really shows you how frustrated he can get and how much he wants it yeah. and how difficult it was for him to struggle. It made me like him so much. It made me get on his side um, and really cheer for him, even though I knew yeah. how it ended. Yeah, because right? he's mad because he fucking wants Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, Especially with his F2 performance being as good as it was. Yeah. First season F2, third, second, crazy yeah it was top three and then you know chucky into f1 and i think he was second because matsapin was third. yeah and then all of those like um cultural shifts because f1 is such a bigger Absolutely. deal than f2 well but then also the literal ones of like hey we're gonna go chuck you in italy because you're yeah. not doing your fucking job so it, it so let's start with the cultural so they there's a scene where he goes out to dinner in and he's living in england at this time okay he goes goes out to dinner with his trainer and he orders fish and chips. And the guy's like, oh, you like fish and chips? And he's like, never had it before. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, what, something I thought was super cool was the relationship between Franz Toast. Great name. Uh, Is it Toast or Toast? Whatever. I'm going to call him Franz Toast. Uh, French Toast. Uh, French his toast relationship with Yuki and how he treats his drivers is is uh with a lot of it's 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 a stringent relationship but it's very very fair very fair and when they move yuki to italy as punishment i laughed so hard because you go back and they they show him like cleaning up his his little apartment um in uh in britain and you know he's he's making jokes about you know uh, playing video games and you know kind of being a lazy bitch and then the next scene is like they're like guess what yuki you're gonna run you're gonna run boy <laughs> and they're just throwing him up a hill and back down the hill and he's doing push-ups and jumping jacks and he makes a comment oh, i i don't i forget what it was but he just makes this like extremely relatable comment for someone who hates working out right um, and the last hilarious thing, that he hates working out. It is, hilarious. It is his hilarious. job. <laughs> yeah. He's in one of the most like physically demanding yeah, things absolutely. you could possibly be in. And so, uh, the last comment I had about this was Yuki has true leave me alone mom energy. <laughs> he just wants to play video games and race cars really fast. Yeah. Um, and honestly, who, who, yeah, who would want anything else? Uh, the, uh, Here's a note that I had about Hungary. We did not make a big enough deal about Alpine and Esteban being the first team to pit in the restart in Hungary. They were the obviously he was P2. I don't think there's enough weight being given to that decision. You see Hamilton off in the uh, he, he you know the greatest driver in the history of F1 makes the decision to stay out and you're P2 and you have the balls and you've never won. You have the balls to pit first. They were the first team to pit. That is similar an credit. I would like to give move. quickly yep. to Mazepin, just knowing local weather 
and being like, nah, boy, it's going to fucking rain. <laughs> like, yeah, Sasha, I actually he, like he's that just as well. Like, yeah. Like he looks up and he's like in Russia in yeah. Russia. And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. no, it's going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's funny. Like they show him passing a bunch of cars and yeah. people just don't know that it was him unlapping himself. <laughs> and also, and also it was people spinning off. <laughs> right. But right. Right. It's still, yeah. It's still cool to know that like, you know, advantages can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, okay, a couple of gaffes for episode seven, and I, I promise I'll be quick with the final ones. Uh, 45 minutes was optimistic. We knew that. I know. So three gaffes. One, they say it's time for qualifying and the cars are on the fucking grid. That just, come on. Like, it's so annoying. That was in France. Uh, battle for P13 between Yuki and Alcon. Just pointless. No, like, no. just stop. Um, and then in Hungary, first of all, they don't even show the Alonso... And um, uh, Hamilton battle. They Criminal. Didn't, they didn't show a single second of it. A single second of it. And, so, and uh, finally, they do this fake bullshit where throughout the entire race, Akon's getting updates on Vettel behind him. And they say Vettel's at 1.2. Vettel's at 1.1. Vettel's at 1 second. Vettel's at 0.9 seconds. And they spread that every five minutes. So it makes it seem as if like he's getting a tenth closer every closer. 20 fucking laps. And it's just like, that's just not how it happened, actually. Like, Alcon had the race victory after he fended Vettel off coming out of the pits for a couple laps, which was crazy. But, like, just be honest about that. Like, this is just a boring, like, fake storyline. Anyways, moving on. Episode 8, good stuff. Uh, <laughs> the frat boy energy that comes off in George is so palpable. Big frat boy it, energy. Oh, my God. He, but George, like frat George boy energy Russell, you can introduce to your parents. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd be, I'd be very suspicious. George, I wrote this down. George Russell loves being George Russell. Oh, yeah. There's no man in the world that loves being George Russell more. Um, than George Russell. Again, you start to, I, st- I start to kind of turn on him because it took him so long to figure out that the, his crash with Valtteri was his fault. Um, oh, and is, that, is that when they talk about that? So this episode is all about the Mercedes seat. Okay. It's, it's and it's actually done pretty well on the personal side of things on the individual side of things um you i feel i, I wrote this down about um about uh, valtteri you can feel bad for valtteri bottas while also acknowledging that he deserves to be humiliated <laughs> he has zero spine he's just not built he's maybe he's built for f1 he's not built for that mercedes seat he's not built to have to push his teammate one of the coolest things I think in the entire uh, season is they're on their way to Silverstone. It's uh, Toto Wolf is in the car with his wife Susie, and he has a he has a conversation over the phone with James Vowles, and it's a Valtteri it's James conversation between Toto and James, and it's the coolest thing ever. They talk about team orders um, and saying how yeah we've just got to be really tough on him this time, and he just he can't get it in the way. And then they brilliantly, and I think they've done this accurately, they brilliantly bring that into the race when uh, Lewis needed to get by Valtteri to go after Leclerc for the victory in Silverstone after he um, uh, assaulted Max. Um, (laughs) And I thought that was done really well. Uh, I I said one of the the few real rivalries, and they did it really well. Uh, Episode 8, Gaffs. I'll keep it under the assumption that they royally screwed up the order of Russell's pole lap and spa after getting it ripped apart by outlets like WTF1 because I think they went back and changed it. 
You think so? Because it's it's almost done perfectly in order. Because they just, they just show a rouge a couple of times. I but remember Gallagher, Matt Gallagher saying that turn one was four times. There you go. And it's not. And they, no? they took it out. I bet they fixed it yep. then. Episode nine, the good stuff. So this is when we get into kind of like Saudi Arabia. Did George keep his clothes on in episode eight, by the way? This is God, no. No, no, no. He was naked half the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So episode nine and ten are pretty much just Mercedes and Red Bull. Do you want to talk about them together? Have you seen it? No, but I'm saying like nine and ten just as a... Yes. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, it's essentially the final three races. They go Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and then Abu Dhabi. Um, One of the funniest parts of the season is when they're showing how... How pissed off that um, Horner and Toto have become with the the media relationship and all that stuff. And they show an exchange that I had never seen before between Toto and a journalist. And this journalist asks a question to Toto, which actually got cut off. So we actually don't know exactly what he asked him. And Toto looked him straight up and said, do you drink during the day? And the guy said, no. And he's like, yes, you do. And walks away. Um, and I, I, I said, I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I love the Toto Horner rivalry. Uh, a little kid tells Checo to take Lewis out in, um, I believe it was Qatar, which was awesome. Uh, it cannot be understated how on the edge Max was during that quality lap in Saudi Arabia, how he got close to the wall twice in turn two, you know, those, those, uh, the barriers that are kind of like a chicane they yep. put them in was just wild to see it. And the, the angle that uh, drive to survive had, uh, this was really cool insight. So the, the second crash in Saudi Arabia, um, the Mazbin crash. Yeah. But also Checo and, and um, Le- I think it was a Ferrari. Um, yeah, they go back and they they say uh, uh, they show Russell saying that crash was inevitable and then Max saying the restarts here are very dangerous and that just solidified my take on Saudi Arabia yeah, well, seeing how it's just like the drivers were saying from the introduction of the concept of the layout yeah that it was dangerous insane okay uh, gaffs in episode nine wasted too much time on Qatar like the most boring race of the season for me honestly it was fucking awful uh, and when you it, don't like MotoGP tracks for cars. Huh. It was always going to be a Lewis win, and they made it out to be this huge potential coming together What's between Max. What's their angle Max. on Alonso? Anything? Uh, not much at all. Okay. Not much at all. Um, I feel like there's untapped potential there for a personality like Alonso. Yeah. It didn't seem like he talked too much with them. I hope they do it this season because absolutely, I'd love to, he loves to talk. Uh, and he loves to talk shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. DTS performing blatant fellatio on Mercedes just the entire two episodes. It was so bad. I think what's interesting about so, that is so how, bad. If that, that being the case, though, is that the show starts with such contempt for Mercedes from everybody else. That's a, that not, I not a bad feel, point. That not I do point. feel like bleeds into their... They are painted as the Death Star from the yeah. very beginning. And I think that it's interesting if it ends sympathetic. But I didn't need a redemption arc. Like I... <laughs> yeah. Um, the winners continue to win. <laughs> oh, here's a here's a couple of dumb things. First of all, they didn't show. So obviously, when they go to Saudi Arabia, they just dunk on Max the entire time, kind of rightfully so. Did they dunk on MBS at all? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. He definitely. I think he's one of the editors of the show. <laughs> um, so they dunk on Max, and rightfully so for the idiot, idiot, uh, idiocy that he he showed. But they don't even show Valtteri like illegally backing up Max under the safety car, how slow Lewis was going at the one of the restarts. And it's just like it was just clear that I knew it was coming in episode 10. Uh, final gaffe of episode nine. They celebrated Mercedes Constructor Championship and they hadn't even won it yet because they won it in, in, uh, in Abu Dhabi. 
And they, Weird. they, they basically said like, congratulations. They showed the fireworks and they were all like, yeah, another constructors win. I guess they just wanted final episode on the drivers. <sighs> sure. I but guess. again, like, what guys, it just didn't happen. Like that just did not happen there. Uh, okay. Episode 10. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I put, and I liked a little more, like there's this, they show Lewis, so he parks in Park Fermi at the end of the race, and they show his onboard for about 15 seconds, and it's just him, and he's he's just so still. And that was, I think that was a perfect way to show the frustration without giving their own opinion on what happened. Uh, and the final thing I wrote, the good thing about episode 10, and there's a couple of gaps, we'll get to it. The end scene is crazy good. It's Toto looking the most supervillain he ever has. Uh, Netflix asks him, will there be a target on Red Bull's back next year? Yeah. And he says, there's a target on everyone's back next year. And they, they ended. I was like, yeah, okay, that was good. Um, finally, gaffes episode 10. Dude, the qualifying order, like they did this all throughout the entire season. They showed all of their drivers finishing qualifying, like, okay, Lando, you're P3, okay, Lance, you're P12, whatever. And then they show Lewis and Max, like, prepping for Q3. Like, they're not even in their car yet. Um, they told Max he was P2 in the final shootout. He was never P2 in the final shootout. He got his, his pole lap the first uh, attempt he had in Q3. Um, they showed the Lando... Oh, my God, this was so bad. They show Lando's... Uh, sorry, Lando and Carlos battling on the first lap of Abu Dhabi, and you can see the incident with Max and Lewis in the distance. So they're showing them fight for P four. Yeah, on the yeah. on the first lap, you can see the incident where Lewis, you know, went off track and cut the corner. You can see it happen in the distance, and then they show the incident between Max and Lewis. They That's do it so out funny. of fucking order. It's unbelievable. Uh, everything is out of order. Reactions, turns, discussions. Like, they just essentially think we're stupid throughout the entire fucking race. Uh, secondly, they don't talk about Lewis not being able to, to pit. They show the whole Checo defense, but they don't, they don't tell you why, why it was important. why it's significant. They don't tell you why it was important. Yeah, because the whole reason it's important is the fact that his tires are cooked. So, fine. Well, it, was the, it wasn't that. It, uh, or, it was because he couldn't pit. Oh, right. No, yeah. Uh, the, I the delta between Max that and Lewis. That was my mistake. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, they didn't give enough to Lewis being able to effectively overtake Max on track uh, on lap one. So they, they, just, they just talk about, um, like they see Red Bull are pissed off from the decision from the stewards to not, you know, give a penalty to Mercedes or make them bring back the... Uh, uh, but um, <laughs> they just like the entire episode is just like feeling bad for Mercedes. It's just, and they barely, they barely talk about how Lewis was at fault for Silverstone. They let Mercedes essentially bitch about it. And they, they just like say like Horner, they see Horner pissed off a little, but it's just like the entire season is kind of shown in a, a you know, they're there, poor, poor boy, poor boy for, uh, for Mercedes. So yeah, that's it. Um, where can next Netflix improve? Let's wrap this shit up. Cause we, we got to get, I think we've to... already said that. I think we've made our point on that pretty clear. Oh, okay. Uh, Let's which is fun. just that your assessment is that it's missing mm -hmm. a more technical aspect and overdoing it on yeah. the more flamboyant yeah, right. aspect. We did get into this. Um, I, I said they have to convince Max somehow to come back on. I don't think they can. I don't think, I think Max's, <sighs> that ship has sailed. I think I he think got they in Gunter Steiner's boat and he sailed away. I think they could have <laughs> if they had done this season right. Because this was like, we got, he Do already said. they did it wrong overall? Yeah, absolutely. What, okay. are the, what, are, what are the reasons why he did not sign on? It was the lies. It was the fake rivalries. 
it was um, the blatant errors. He said that he didn't want to talk because they twist relationships and they twist your words. And they did that exact same thing probably more than ever this season. Yeah. Well, so then, yeah, he's never coming back. Reality uh, television. Finally, where do we go from here? Is it time to throw this thing in the trash or can they fix it? I found myself loving it at times and that's enough for me to still believe in it. But again, there's just there's so many things to fix. I don't think they should throw it in the trash and I don't I don't think that Drive to Survive season 5 will operate very differently from this one. Fair. Um I think that's based very on fair. what you have to assume Netflix's goals are yeah. and um not F1 but whoever the what's the company that like owns Liberty Media? Yeah, cuz Liberty Media's goals will not be the same as some sort of like sporting integrity kind of angle or yeah. like behind this, like they're selling a product. So they want ludicrous, ludicrous intrigue at the expense of potential legitimacy. Right. Because it is that quote that I mentioned right at the beginning. It's why I wrote it down. Quote, title fight is important for the credibility of the sport, LMAO, but also increasing value. This show is a proposition to make F1 more valuable and more popular. It does not be, need to be correct to do that. Therefore, I do not think they will change it. The reality show format works so well in getting people to watch or podcast about it that they're already succeeding. They will see no reason to change it. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, man. Let's move on. Episode four coming up. Yeah. How do we outro this show? We just did. Okay, goodbye. No one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>